The senior partner studied the resume for the hundredth time and again found nothing he disliked about Mitchell Y. McDear, at least not on paper. He had the brains, the ambition, the good looks, and he was hungry. With his background, he had to be. He was married, and that was mandatory. The firm had never hired an unmarried lawyer, and it frowned heavily on divorce, as well as womanizing and drinking. Drug testing was in the contract. He had a degree in accounting, passed the CPA exam the first time he took it, and wanted to be a tax lawyer, which, of course, was a requirement with a tax firm. He was white, and the firm had never hired a black. They managed this by being secretive and clubbish and never soliciting job applications. Other firms solicited and hired blacks. This firm recruited and remained lily-white. Plus, the firm was in Memphis, of all places, and the top blacks wanted New York or Washington or Chicago. McDear was a male, and there were no women in the firm. That mistake had been made in the mid-70s when they recruited the number one grad from Harvard, who happened to be a she and a wizard at taxation. She lasted four turbulent years and was killed in a car wreck. He looked good on paper. He was their top choice. In fact, for this year, there were no other prospects. The list was very short. It was McDear or no one. The managing partner, Royce McKnight, studied a dossier labeled Mitchell Y. McDear, Harvard. An inch thick with small print and a few photographs, it had been prepared by some ex-CIA agents in a private intelligence outfit in Bethesda. They were clients of the firm and each year did the investigating for no fee. It was easy work, they said, checking out unsuspecting law students. They learned, for instance, that he preferred to leave the Northeast, that he was holding three job offers, two in New York and one in Chicago, and that the highest offer was $76,000 and the lowest was 68000 He was in demand. He had been given the opportunity to cheat on a securities exam during his second year. He declined and made the highest grade in the class. Two months ago, he had been offered cocaine at a law school party. He said no and left when everyone began snorting. He drank an occasional beer, but drinking was expensive, and he had no money. He owed close to $23,000 in student loans. He was hungry. Royce McKnight flipped through the dossier and smiled. McDear was their man. Lamar Quinn was 32 and not yet a partner. He had been brought along to look young and act young and project a youthful image for Bendini, Lambert, and Locke, which in fact was a young firm since most of the partners retired in their late 40s or early 50s with money to burn. He would make partner in this firm. With a six-figure income guaranteed for the rest of his life, Lamar could enjoy the $1,200 tailored suits that hung so comfortably from his tall athletic frame. He strolled nonchalantly across the thousand-dollar-a-day suite and poured another cup of decaf. He checked his watch. He glanced at the two partners sitting at the small conference table near the windows. Precisely at 2.30, someone knocked on the door. Lamar looked at the partners, who slid the resume and dossier into an open briefcase. 
All three reached for their jackets. Lamar buttoned his top button and opened the door. Mitchell McDear, he asked, with a huge smile and a hand thrust forward. Yes, they shook hands violently. Nice to meet you, Mitchell. I'm Lamar Quinn. My pleasure. Please, call me Mitch. He stepped inside and quickly surveyed the spacious room. Sure, Mitch. Lamar grabbed his shoulder and led him across the suite where the partners introduced themselves. They were exceedingly warm and cordial. They offered him coffee, then water. They sat around a shiny mahogany conference table and exchanged pleasantries. McDear unbuttoned his coat and crossed his legs. He was now a seasoned veteran in the search of employment, and he knew they wanted him. He relaxed. With three job offers from three of the most prestigious firms in the country, he did not need this interview, this firm. He could afford to be a little overconfident now. He was there out of curiosity, and he longed for warmer weather. Oliver Lambert, the senior partner, leaned forward on his elbows and took control of the preliminary chit-chat. He was glib and engaging with a mellow, almost professional baritone. At sixty-one, he was the grandfather of the firm and spent most of his time administering and balancing the enormous egos of some of the richest lawyers in the country. He was the counselor, the one the younger associates went to with their troubles. Mr. Lambert also handled the recruiting, and it was his mission to sign Mitchell Y. McDear.